computer. All right, well, welcome everybody. My name is Tom Miller, and it is Thursday. It's one o'clock, so that means it's time for our weekly charter school leadership call. And so uh, we are really um, we're really excited about uh, today's call. We have a great special expert guest with us, and uh, we just had a great call with some good information from uh, from the state's office. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot of information that needs uh, you know a clarification or a thinking through. Um, so if you have a question or if you need some clarification, put your uh, question in the chat box to the right and, and we'll do our best uh, after our expert uh, speaker to be able to um, give us, give you our, our best opinion, right, or uh, share a resource with you. So let me just go around the horn and see who's here. We got lots of folks on the call and Katie, how are you doing today? It's a great day. It is. It is a wonderful day. That's right. And then um, happy. Uh, Helated Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Hopefully everybody got had a great Sunday with family and was able to avoid being in their email maybe for 24 hours and thinking about how are we going to return to school. All right, so I'm going to be quiet now and I'm going to introduce one of our strategic partners, uh, Rhonda Dillingham from the North Carolina Association for Public Charter Schools. So Rhonda, I'm going to give you the floor and you can introduce our experts and uh, we'll get going everybody. All right. Hey, everybody. Rhonda Dillingham, Executive Director of the Association. I know many of you were teachers before you became school leaders, so last week was Teacher Appreciation Week, and uh, hope you had an opportunity to celebrate that. And this week is National Charter School Week. Hey, it's our week to be recognized, everyone. So uh, normally we would have all kinds of in person and we'll be just can't do that this year but um, what we can do is bring uh, experts in to discuss something I think is really important I know many of you are trying to find creative ways to recruit new families to your schools and I think one really great way to do that is to think about your school as a story Everybody loves a good story. That's why we read novels. That's why we watch movies and TV shows, because we love a good story. Your school has a story. And to help you write that story today, we have with us two experts from EdChoice. We have my friend Lauren Hodge, who is the Director of State Relations. Hi, Lauren. And to provide the information for us today, we also have Jennifer Wagner. She's the Vice President of Communications from EdChoice. And Jennifer, it's all yours. All right, well, thank you, Rhonda. Thank you, Katie and Tom, for, uh, for having me on this call today. And hopefully everybody can hear me okay. Um, I apologize, I do live in downtown Indianapolis, so there may be the occasional fire truck that, uh, that interrupts our, our discussion today. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. And, oh, just kidding, I can't share my screen. <laughs> Uh, perhaps someone could help me, but if not, Rhonda, Rhonda if you can make Jennifer uh, a co-host, then uh, she'll be able to share her screen. I am good. Let me get that up there and let me get that into presentation mode. That would be helpful. Hang tight. This is, this is not the, uh, today my computer this morning has already crashed twice, so I'm very, very hopeful that this old MacBook can make it a few more weeks until we get back in the office and maybe I can get a new one. Um, okay. Can everybody see that or no? No, you had it oh. there for a minute, but not now. All right, hang tight. Let me, 
All right, maybe I just have to do this if it won't let me screen share my actual presentation. Slideshow. There we go. Okay, you can want to play comes together. Perfect. All right, so uh, as Rhonda said, I'm the VP of Communications for EdChoice. Um, we're a national organization that supports all different kinds of school choice. Um, public, private, charter, whatever it is, we just want to make sure families have the opportunity to get in where they fit in, uh, as our boss likes to say. So um, we're going to spend a little time today talking about how to find stories in your schools. Um, I realize that some of this is not applicable right now because no one's in school, um, but hopefully we can uh, give you some information that you can uh, take with you as, you as you start to recruit new families um, and to start telling that story in your community, um, because I think this is something that gets lost a lot because you all are incredibly busy actually running schools and doing the very hard job of educating students, um, which I have two kids and uh, yeah, thank God for all of you because as it turns out, I'm not cut out for homeschooling. So, you know, a lot of this information sometimes just doesn't happen because it feels like extra, an extra burden for you. So um, again, real quick, Ed Choice, Choice for All, um, so that everybody can get in where they fit in. And why are you here? Uh, because you're important, you are important and your story is the most important story we can tell, whether it's your story of your school or the parents and students that you're educating. Um, I like to delineate between real people uh, and uh, ivory tower people, right? And so I can put out all the research I want to from our research department at EdChoice and, and that's great, right? That's really helpful to inform legislators. It's really helpful to help people figure out, you know, which schooling types are the most effective, but it's not real because it's not my personal story. Um, and you have the ability in your everyday job to access those kind of stories that really change minds. Um, the narrative that you can tell is the one that is going to be the most authentic. So I want to, I, I promise you, I will not bore you with a whole bunch of numbers. Uh, I went to journalism and law school because there was no math involved. So it'll be very little. Um, but I do want to put up a couple of slides from our research that uh, showcase the importance of talking directly and the right person talking directly to legislators or to other, other folks. So this one is from our surveying state lawmakers uh, report from a couple of years ago. And you can kind of see here that, you know, the purple is developing priorities and the, the green is what influences legislators when they vote. Um, unfortunately, hot issues in the media, surveys, polls, and interest groups, not real high on the priority list, but talking to the people they actually represent and their own personal experiences are incredibly persuasive. So, you know, as you're going through a budget cycle, as you're asking for more funding or equitable funding for your schools, these stories actually do make a difference when you're talking to the folks who can rewrite or write the rules. Um, this is the one I put this uh, chart in every single presentation I give because it reinforces that parents are not getting what they deserve or want from the more traditional system. This is from our annual Schooling in America survey. It comes out usually every October. So this is from last year's. And this is schooling preference by school type. Um, and you can see we broke it down between teachers and parents uh, this past year. And then you can see on the bottom actual enrollments. And, you know, charter school numbers, 5% are in charter schools, but anywhere between 10 and 13% would choose that if it were available to them. So this is the one that gets me up every morning and keeps me going, even on days when we're in quarantine and it feels like, you know, Tuesday or Thursday or every day. 
Um, the other thing that's really important is that, and it's really easy to kind of lose sight of this because especially right now, I think um, there are a lot of attacks coming in on non-traditional public or private uh, education models, um, and I get that. But support for school choice is really, really high. People like it, they want options. Once they have it, it's hard to take it away from them. From them. This is from uh, Harvard, uh, does a poll every year, similar to ours, um, but it's Harvard, so I like to use them because it's Harvard and they're a lot smarter than I am. So this is their Education Next poll, and this shows support for charter schools, um, and it breaks it down by constituent group. And so you've got strong support. Obviously, there are a couple categories where the support is less strong, but overall, you know, people like charters. Um, but there's a lot of confusion out there, and this is where the storytelling can come in. Um, there, there are some very easy attacks on non-traditional schools that get made all the time, most notably siphoning money from the public system. Um, the only way to combat those that we have found is that you have to show value, and you also have to clear up confusion. This is also from the Ednext poll, and this one kind of floored me that you've still got, you know, nearly a little over 20% of people who believe charter schools provide religious services. And you've got a whole bunch of people who have no clue, which tells me that we've still got a really big information gap in letting people know what charters are and how they can help their student. So we have to have that real honest conversation. Um, and those are, those are hard to have. So I'm gonna go real quickly through just Media 101. For some of you, this may be completely a 101, not something that you need, but just the basics of where do you find these people? How do you get that story out there? And then we'll get into a little bit more of where to find the stories that you're looking to tell. Um, and then just a couple of, uh, of, of quick tips and, and things that we found um, in our research and in our storytelling. So Media 101, you've got your types of media. And I, I am a traditional print reporter by training and uh, it's a, it's a sad one. Um, I don't know if there's any other former journalists on the call, but uh, it's not exactly the most thriving area of the media right now. Um, but you've got plenty of online outlets. You've got blogs. You've got newspapers that have gone uh, to all electronic format. Social media, um, which we'll dig into much deeper. Radio, television, and what I like to call DIY media, which is everything that you own. All the platforms that you have access to, um, and it's, it's honestly, it's, it's also this, you know, I tell people who, you know, think, oh my gosh, I can't put out this video because it's not the greatest of quality that, you know, the, the camera on your iPhone or your Android is much, much better than, you know, anything that was even available commercially 10 years ago. And you have control over that and you can, you know, take a quick video, take a quick, you know, set of photos and, and post them, which does as much to tell your story as a hit on the local TV news. So there's a, a lot of different ways to reach uh, media. Um, there's the traditional press release, and um, Rhonda asked me to put together some templates, which I, based on feedback from this call, will circulate after the call. Um, just some basic, you know, who, what, when, where, and why, how do you get that information out? Um, press releases are the longer form. Media advisories are just letting somebody know something's gonna happen and when. You can pick up the phone and call reporters, although I have found that that's somewhat, <laughs> is somewhat alarming to them these days because they're not used to their phones ringing. Um, you know, we can put together email lists, you can submit letters to the editor, 
for write op-eds, which is just a longer letter to the editor. And then again, we've got social media, whether you're pushing out your own content or engaging with the people that you want to have cover or tell your story. Um, this is a piece of advice that I always give to folks uh, because reporters seem like these foreign creatures. You know, you see them on the nightly news or you know, maybe they call you once a year and it's probably not because something good happened. Um, I always tell people they, they come at your school, your stories from a personal standpoint. And while most of them try to put whatever their background or biases might be on the back burner, it's hard. Um, if you can get to know them, I'm thinking about Indianapolis and our media market here. There are a handful of charter schools that get all of the coverage because they are accessible, because they are transparent, and because it's easy. Um, there are fewer and fewer reporters out there. And so if, you, if they know that you're a place that they can you know, shoot you a quick email or give you a call and you know, show up on campus, get a quick interview and be done, that makes their job easier. And everybody likes it when their jobs are easier. Um, this is something I also like to tell folks because this is a very broad training and introduction to telling your story in media. You do not have to do all of these things and quite honestly, you can't do them all well. So I have a really good friend who does uh, all of the communications outreach for two um, classical charter schools here in Indianapolis. Her background was broadcast journalism. So she leans heavy into video and um, photo content. She stood up their Instagram account, which now has thousands of followers, um, not just students and families, but people in the community surrounding those schools. That's what she's good at and that's what she's comfortable with. And you know, I've, I worked in politics before I came uh, to issue advocacy. And I used to tell candidates, because you know, back seven or eight years ago, they'd be like, well, should I be on the Twitter? No, don't be on the Twitter if you don't know how the Twitter works. Don't, don't do things that take you out of your comfort zone um, because they're gonna A, add stress to your life and B, you might do something wrong. So, you know, do the things that you're comfortable doing and pick one or two of them. Don't feel like you have to do the whole kit and caboodle. All right, now to the tips and tricks. And I do want to leave plenty of time at the end for questions because I'm sure there are uh, issue-specific, case-specific questions that y'all have. So, why are you uniquely situated to generate a great story? And this is going to be different for every person on this call and it's something that you have to answer yourself for your school. But one of the things that sets choice schools apart from the more traditional model is that you have a mission. You have something that you are doing, a way of providing education or a, an outcome that you're looking to achieve or a population you're looking to serve that sets you apart from everybody else. That alone is the foundation for telling any story. Um, it differentiates you. So as you are putting that out there, make it the foundation of everything. Um, and I'll hit on this in a second, but communication and messaging uh, can be incredibly boring. I used to tell the candidates that I would work with, look, if you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're dreaming about your talking points, it's just starting to sink in with regular people. Like you have to say it over and over and over again to start that narrative. And one letter to the editor or one press release or one press hit isn't going 
to make that narrative. It's story after story with that strong foundation of what makes your school special. What makes a good story? These are kind of common sense, but um, it's gotta be personal, it's gotta be authentic. I can't tell someone else's story. I say this all the time um, to some of our advocates. Look, I am not the right messenger to go into an urban charter school that largely serves low-income African-American families. Not it, right? That doesn't feel authentic. So figure out who those right messengers are for the audiences you're trying to reach. Um, relatable, I have to be able to understand it. And it doesn't just have to be about the school. I think one thing that a lot of folks oftentimes believe about messaging is that the foundation is the school or the foundation is the mission. Everything kind of has to come back to that. But you all have a much broader role that you play and that the people in your school, the people who work for your school play in the community that you live in. Short and sweet. Oh my goodness gracious. If you tell any of our researchers that I said this, I will lie and deny and never show them the recording, but brevity matters. Um, a lot of our, our, our folks are, they're so smart, right? And they want to put so much information out there and, you know, you wind up with an op-ed draft that's 1300 words and I can't do a lot with that because nobody's going to publish it. So when I went down to what's really, really important, um, and I'm more than happy to help, you know, if you decide to go and craft some letters to the editor, I'm happy to help do that, um, to bleed all over your Microsoft Word documents, if you will. But you can say it quickly and still be effective. And then, you know, the last thing about what makes a good story is where you're, where you're trying to tell it. Um, again, you know, a long form blog post is probably not going to make a great letter to the editor. You know, a story about, uh, I don't know, I'll use pensions uh, because it's an issue we deal with a lot, is not gonna be great for your local newspaper, but figuring out the right place to tell that story uh, is key to making it a quality story. So where do you find these stories um, in your schools? Uh, I like to say whenever I'm doing uh, trainings with school leaders, you've already got a calendar of stories available to you. You've got annual events, from you know, enrollment dates to graduation. Um, you've got all kinds of things that you're constantly doing, whether it's in a particular grade level or school-wide, and every single one of those things is a potential story. Um, if you are uh, a school that is serving middle and high school students, you've got a whole bunch of helpers. <laughs> you know? You've got people who can help you find and tell those stories. Um, I, routinely run things uh, by my sixth grader and help her hone messages or have, have her help me hone messages and tell stories so that I can make sure I'm, you know, not losing perspective. And I mean, students have a heck of a lot of perspective that we don't have. Uh, I would not have gone to law school if I didn't throw in that, you know, make sure everything is legal and that you're complying with any of your, your policies internally, um, privacy policies, anything that you know, students want to opt out of, especially when you're talking about video content or photos on, on social media platforms. And a few examples, kind of throwing you know, just anything and everything out there. Um, right now, innovative e-learning or teaching methods. Um, I don't know what those might be. Uh, my, my kid's school is not being particularly innovative, so uh, I don't have a great story to tell there, but 
you know, when we get back into the classroom, whenever that is, you know, if you've got an outdoor classroom, if you've got a, you know, a garden that the kids are planting, um, if you have, you know, emotional support services that have like a walk and talk uh, approach, all of those things are potential stories. Um, school events supporting the community or supporting your own student body. So, you know, food pantries, um, holiday gift drives, all that potential stories. Number of students enrolled, number of students going to college, um, all of these, you know, and, and all the people who make up your school, teachers, staff, students, all of those are things that you can talk publicly about. Um, and with limited additional work. So as you're looking to start telling some of those stories, I would highly encourage you to find a trusted friend or family member who will tape you um, or just listen to you and listen to you hone your pitch over and over and over again. Hone that foundation of whatever it is um, that you want to get out there about your school. And it's, it's, you really need to trust them. I will say this, uh, I, because I did lean into my sixth grader once for doing this and it was not good because she critiqued everything that I did. Uh, God love her, but uh, find someone that you can trust and practice that over and over and over again. And when I say elevator speech, I mean, I don't know if you're in North Carolina, so I'm guessing maybe have some NASCAR fans on here. Um, NASCAR drivers are the absolute best at bringing whatever they're talking about. They weave in their sponsors and they bring it all back to ascent, like to racing, but also to the people who make it possible for them to race. And next time you watch, you know, whenever we're able to watch any of these things again, watch an interview and it's, 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 it's amazing because they always weave them in there and it doesn't feel forced. And if you can get to that point where whatever the, the amazing thing that your school does becomes second nature and just starts flowing into your conversations or flowing into your interviews, then you've, you've got it down. Um, again, practicing is, is key. Um, and there's, there's no harm in pitching all of these things, anything. Um, I think a lot of times people think, oh my gosh, I sent an email to this local reporter and I didn't hear back. Um, she must think I'm an idiot or they're just not interested in my school. Uh, it is an aggregate business over time of just saying, hey, you know, uh, we've got this event, we've got this community meeting happening on Friday or, um, hey, we've enrolled, you know, 400 new students. And a lot of times you're not going to hear back and a lot of times it's not going to be a successful pitch, um, which is why I always advocate also putting that information on the channels that you control so that you're still getting it out to your key stakeholders, which is your families and your alumni. But never feel like you're wasting someone's time in the media. Pitch it and pitch it again, and you never know when lightning will strike, and all of a sudden, you know, you're front and center and able to get your message out to a huge audience. I do wanna, um, I'm guessing I don't probably need to remind anyone on this call of this, but. You know, when you advocate, when you go out there and tell your story, you absolutely open yourself up. Um, I often tell people I don't post things about my work on my personal Facebook page anymore because I have a lot of people, my past is in democratic politics and I have a lot of people who do not agree with what I do. And quite honestly, I 
don't want to deal with the criticism from people that I hold near and dear in my, in my personal life. Um, you know, any student or family that you put out there, anytime you're even telling a seemingly, seemingly positive and harmless story, um, those people are out there front and center, you know, and that's true for your teachers, it's true for your students. So it's just a, just a reminder of when you're looking at messengers and looking at people who can, you know, tell stories or be stories, that this does somewhat put them in the spotlight um, and they need to be comfortable with that. And you need to be comfortable with that too. So I say this one as someone who works for EdChoice and a lot of what we do is private school choice. And um, gosh, we spent a lot of time fighting each other in the ed reform movement, uh, like just a ridiculous amount of time. And, you know, we're trying, whether it's charters or private schools or online schools, we're, we're trying to change the entire way the k-12 education system has worked historically um and i don't i will never look at it as an us versus them but there's a whole lot of more of them than there are of us in terms of the way schooling has historically been delivered and there's always a temptation with the us you know whatever that alternative schooling type is uh to fight with each other please don't because all it does is just tear, you know, we tear each other apart. Um, even within a, a schooling type, you know, oh, my, my charter school is better than your charter school and here's why. So if we can look at all of this storytelling under the broad umbrella of options are good, choice is good, you know, maybe my choice isn't your choice. Um, that's, that's kind of why I, I bring this up and, you know, we love all choice, so we're always happy to help. And I think there are a lot of folks out there who um, want to see everyone succeed. And I know you've, you've got a great resource in Lauren, so um, you know, keep on leaning on her. I know we all do. So I wanna take a few minutes and go over some free easy tools that you can use. Um, and I'm happy to send this around afterward, and I'm also happy to dive deeper into any one of these platforms or other platforms you might want to look at using. But just wanted to go over, I think a lot of folks think, oh, I don't have the capacity to do this, or I need to hire an outside firm to manage these channels, and you don't. Um, so, you know, starting with social and owned media, and owned media is just something that you control. Um, it's a little quick breakdown of what kinds of content works best on these different platforms. Um, Facebook is great for video. There is no better events platform out there than Facebook or for groups, getting you know parents together. Um, although I, yeah, that's a whole separate training. Um, but convening people and, and sharing video, Instagram is uh, where all of your students are, uh, if they're in high school or middle school, I'm guessing. Um, amazing for original photography, storytelling, highly curated. Um, Instagram stories, I don't usually steer people toward this unless they're really comfortable on that platform. Um, but if you've got light, upbeat stuff, it's, it's fun to share there. Our uh, Instagram at Edge Choice is kind of our, um, it's our lighthearted platform. You know, if you go to our Twitter, you go to our Facebook, you're gonna find family stories, school stories, parent stories, and research. If you go to Instagram, you're gonna find a whole bunch of our staff birthdays. Um, that's, what we, that's what we use it for. 
it's kind of a sneak peek behind the scenes of what might otherwise be a stuffy research institution. Um, Twitter, I love Twitter. I don't think um, it may not be the most useful tool for you as a school leader, but it certainly is useful for getting information out there quickly. Um, again, managing a crisis or uh, putting out something that's, that's happening quickly at your school. Um, I also love to use Twitter to lurk and see what other people are talking about. Um, so I like to, you know, have columns. I use TweetDeck. We'll get to another platform called Hootsuite here, but I have a lot of columns set up where I'm constantly monitoring what people are saying about certain topics. Um, obviously right now, those might be uh, of interest to you if you're, you know, following along funding or how the federal guidance is being interpreted in your state. Um, LinkedIn and Snapchat, probably not the best platforms, um, but put them on here anyway. Um, LinkedIn, I mostly use professionally, and I don't think probably a lot of schools would, would find that all that useful. And Snapchat, I am leery of Snapchat. I know that probably a lot of your students are on it. Um, I don't know that it's gonna provide you a ton of value, um, but it is fun, and I guess you could hang out there and see what other people are snapping about. So earned media, um, again, that's letters to the editor and op-eds, pitching stories to reporters. Um, this happens to be, I myself am not personally a huge Breitbart reader, but this was a recent story that uh, covered some of our polling results um, on how parents are viewing homeschooling uh, since COVID-19. I am not one of those parents, uh, so I thought this was a weird finding that came back in our polling, but um, you know, we sent it out there and pitched it and got picked up by a, a fairly large outlet. Um, and again, you know, there's never any harm in sending pitch after pitch after pitch, you know, as long as you don't expect that every single one of them is gonna get, get covered. Um, this is an entirely separate training module that our marketing director is happy to do. Um, if any of you are interested, we just did uh, a social media paid and promoted training out in Arizona. Um, I love Facebook for targeting um, very specific audiences. Again, this may be something that you are already using or something that you want to use in terms of recruitment uh, of new families. But you know, let's say you get a great story, a uh, great op-ed in your local paper and you wanna promote it, you can reach a heck of a lot of people for not a lot of money. Um, I usually, when I'm doing promoted, uh, uh, stories on Facebook. I usually set a budget at either $25 or $50 and you can really really hone in on the people you're trying to reach age group demographic um, Geographic likes and interests. So, you know, you could target folks you, you already know like charter schools in your community Just make sure and that would make sure that they are getting fed that content. So they're seeing that news about about your school And then these are some I just picked four um, planning and scheduling platforms. So as you figure out which you know channels are the best for you, um, we internally use Asana to plan and task out uh, stories and, and assignments. Um, Monday is very similar to Asana. So Airtable and Hootsuite are more for social media scheduling. Um, both are free. They have paid versions, but you can use all of these on the free version. Um, Hootsuite is great. Again, it's like TweetDeck, um, but it has multiple different uh, social media platforms that you can schedule 
you can schedule out your content, um, which I know is hugely helpful because you're all really busy. You know, you could come up with a plan and say, every Thursday is gonna be, you know, you're gonna take part in Throwback Thursday. And you go get, you know, a graduation picture from four years ago or um, something that happened six months ago. And you schedule out that content for, you know, I usually tell people not to schedule beyond two months because things can change. And, you know, we sometimes see what happens when brands schedule things way far in advance and they happen to coincide with major breaking national news or, you know, they just, they just come off not feeling quite right. But again, these are, are free tools that are available to, to kind of help you get that organized. And, you know, again, if you have high school students who might have an interest in going into marketing, storytelling, I would say journalism, but I wouldn't encourage anyone to go into journalism these days. Um, this is a way for them to get involved and you can set different levels of who can actually publish things um, so that, you know, there's a grown up in charge. But uh, anyway, they're cool tools and happy to dive deeper into any of them um, after this call. The last thing I want to touch on before we uh, check my time, get to uh, questions is um, one of the things, so we used to be seen as a very right-wing organization, uh, the legacy of Milton Friedman, and we oftentimes use words that while they resonated with some audiences, typically, you know, right of center lawmakers and advocates, they were a swing and a miss with most other people. So we've got a few words that we usually share with folks um, to use as you're putting together stories or crafting a narrative. Um, opportunity is the biggest one. Nobody, nobody in their right mind doesn't want more opportunity. Um, a lot of folks used to talk about competition and honestly, you know, that I think has, has hurt charter schools more than any other schooling type because it was easy to kind of pigeonhole and say, oh, here come these charter schools just here to compete with our traditional model. They're just here to upend the marketplace. Um, nobody doesn't want a kid to have opportunity. Um, this is one that uh, is a constant uh, one for me to harp on is, you know, we don't talk about government schools. Um, it makes it even more complicated because people still don't understand that charter schools are public schools. But generally, when making a comparative, we talk about assigned or district schools. Um, which, this one's kind of a weird one. Uh, if you forget one of them, this is the one I encourage you to forget. Um, we talk about schooling and not school because not everybody goes to a school. Well, nobody goes to a school right now, but not everybody goes to a brick and mortar school. And so the term schooling is more all encompassing, especially when you're talking about you know, online charters or um, other different delivery models. Uh, this one drives me absolutely crazy when I see people calling people poor people. And I hear it all the time when we do legislator trainings. Uh, poor is a value judgment. You know, nobody wants to be poor. Um, we talk about serving low income students. That's an entirely different story. Doesn't make anybody feel bad because you can be low income and then you can work really hard and be middle income or high income. Um, but it, it literally makes my skin crawl when I hear people talk about you know, oh, we just have to help those poor communities. Anyway, pet peeve. Um, this one is also a trap that uh, I think the ed reform movement fell into early on. Um, everybody liked to say things like, oh, we, 
we got to have more charter schools to, as an alternative to those failing schools. And failing is, again, a judgmental word. Um, but there are plenty of A-rated public schools out there that are not meeting the needs of the students in them. Um, my daughter was in a great magnet school here in Indianapolis, and all of her friends, all of my friends are still in that school. A-rated, but not meeting her needs. And this one I think is really important if you're trying to talk to audiences where they may have a seed of doubt, but they're not ready to maybe move schools or even entertain that. Um, lots of people will open up and start talking about the things that their current school isn't doing to meet the needs of their child. But if you say, oh man, you're in a failing school, it shuts people down, uh, lickety-split. Uh, this one also, I think, is something that has particularly affected charters um, because it was very easy to kind of categorize charters as, oh, it's the, it's the anti-union schools. It's the, you know, schools where teachers can't organize. Everybody loves teachers. I more so now than ever before. My parents are teachers. Um, if we are relentlessly pro-teacher, telling those stories, talking about how much we value the educators in our schools and communities, that's going to get us a heck of a lot farther than saying, oh, we just need to have schools where, you know, the, uh, the leadership uh, doesn't allow teachers to organize and pays them less, et cetera, and so forth. You've already heard all these arguments before. Um, I'll leave it on the last couple of notes. Uh, I always use a little happy Lego guy because my son loves Legos and because um, we have to be happy warriors. Uh, there are a lot, there, there's a huge system out there and we're just trying to continue to crack open the door where people understand that there are alternatives. We can't do that by tearing other things down. Um, that's why storytelling is so important to get out there and say, this is why my school is great. You know, here are the families that we have served and here's their story. Uh, and when you give into that temptation of negativity, it's a, it's, it's a downward spiral. Um, the last thing I want to touch on really quickly is as you start telling stories more often, you will undoubtedly encounter um, naysayers, uh, people who want to steal your story or uh, have no interest in, in sharing it. Um, when do you engage with those people? Uh, my, I use my mom a lot as an example in these. My mom will literally engage with anyone on Facebook. Uh, she is the person in the comment section who is 100% convinced that she can, you know, change your mind. And you will waste all of your time trying to engage those people. Not that my mom is a waste of time. She's a lovely human being. But she is, you know, she's out there on a mission that is not fulfillable. So you should tell folks, like, you know, kind of a, kind of a three-part rule here. Consider the forum, right? Is this person engaging on your school Facebook page? Are they saying things that are going to affect other people that are in your stakeholder group? Or is this just some random person who trolls your local ABC affiliate and has to be the first negative comment on every story? Um, that person's probably not going to get seen, whereas if it's someone within your school community, they probably will. Consider the reach. Again, how many people are going to be affected by this? And then consider your resources and your mental health. Uh, again, I use my mom as an example. She's retired. She's an artist. She has all the time in the world to mess around in the comment section. You do not. You have schools to run and you have your sanity to preserve. So 
you know, when in doubt, unless it's something that you really think is going to affect your school directly or your student body or educator uh, body directly, I usually say take a pass. This is the comment section on basically any story. It's a bar fight and everybody's going to wind up with a shard of glass in their cheek. So I advise people to, to move on. Um, and I usually leave with this piece of advice, which is, you know, who, who knows why we don't, why don't you wrestle with a pig, right? Because everybody gets dirty and only the pig likes it. So just a, just a little bit of closing advice there. Um, more than happy to take specific questions, um, you know, feedback if there are specific topics you want uh, to see covered in templates, maybe press release templates or letters the editor I'm more than happy to follow up and, and provide those to you but uh, just wanted to give that brief overview and come back to you yeah that was great Jennifer I mean it's so it's so important to be able to tell your story uh, I'm a little passionate about it. I have a lot of chat box messages here on the side so We'd love to open it up, you know, Rhonda and Katie and anybody else who's got some questions, uh, you know, for an expert like uh, Jennifer and her team uh, to be able to tell your story better. Because as I noted here on the side, every student comes with a six to an $8,000 revenue producer. So if you invest a little bit of money and do your marketing a little bit different and uh, be the difference in your community over the summer, you're going to really, really benefit. Um, so what uh, questions are out there, Katie? So we had a question from Mark Tracy about what is the uh, free quality video editing tool that's suggested. And, you know, it was put out there that, you, you know, on your iPhone, you know, you can do it for free. Uh, but are there any other video, video editing tools out there that schools could use? Yeah, I, I'm somewhat spoiled in that I have a Mac. So I just use iMovie, which comes with it. Um, off the top of my head, I don't have any great free solutions but I will check with our video team and, and get back to you I think most of the ones that we use do have a fee associated with them okay yeah and if anybody else on the call has an idea and you want to pop it in the chat um, that would be really helpful but thank you Jennifer that'd be great I'd like to ask the audience what types of templates would be helpful for you to receive Jennifer has lots of templates but I'm I want to make sure that we provide the ones that would be most helpful. So can you all let us know? Is it a press release template? Is it a letter to the editor? What is it? So what do you mean by template, Rhonda? What, what are I, you? I mean a plug and play. So that means um, the bare bones and then you plug in the pertinent information relative to your story. So you would plug in the stats, the name of your school, where it's located, what's your story, what is a quote from your school leader or whoever is the major player in the story. So Mark Tracy says, uh, Jennifer, he could appreciate a press release. Oh, <laughs> and then he said, send them all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, we can do that. Yep, that's not a problem. And I can do some that are, you know, um, written in parent voice or educator voice and some that are more school leader or advocate. Um, and I can, I will also send along the parameters for most publications um, for those different types. Um, 
letters to the editor tend to be pretty short. Uh, it's oftentimes a struggle to get, get out what you want to say in 250 to 300 words. Uh, but yeah, I will, after this call, I will circulate uh, a document to Rhonda and I'm, she can get that on out to everybody. Yeah, I think that's, you know, you know uh, probably one of the biggest uh, challenges is just, you know, getting started, right, uh, Jennifer? So, so, I mean, having a template, right, having some ideas and sharing some ideas, but you got to be able to have these uh, pieces that, you know, Jennifer just talked about. You got to know why your school exists. You got to know why uh, parents choose. You need some testimonials and just drop them in there. And then eventually you'll, you know, you'll have a catalog of content. Um, and I think it's important, Katie, when you said, Mark Tracy, about like editing, heads of school should not be spending time editing videos. They need to put someone in charge to be editing videos because you've got more important things to do, right? And even, you know, it, you know, it doesn't matter how great you are at it, uh, but it is really important. And you know what? It doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, it's just, just get started. And that's, and that's maybe the most important part. Yeah, and I, I, I forgot to include this on, on the slide about social media, but the tool that I use most often um, when I'm not able to use our incredible graphic design team is Canva. And mm -hmm. Canva allows you, it templates, you can do everything from a templated trifold brochure to a Facebook post. It resizes everything for you. Um, it has a bunch of um, stock art, uh, stock clip art, that you, or not stock, stock photos that you can use. Um, and it's, it's super simple. Um, it's free if you pay I think it's 10 bucks a month. It's not going to break the bank. Um, and it gives you access to some more of the, the cool features. But, you know, when it comes to social media, you're, you're right, Tom, it's getting started. And it's the hardest thing. But for testimonials, especially if you've got a few parents who will give you a couple lines of, of text, you know, you can easily, you know, put that onto Instagram or Facebook. Um, if you have the budget, you know, put a little, little bit of money behind it, and you'll be surprised just how far that can go. And it really amps up your professional presentation, Canva does, and they have so many templates. I used it all the time as a school leader, and our, our messaging really looks slick. I was uh, at a workshop uh, similar to what you presented today, Jennifer. Uh, I can't remember where or when, but something somebody said really stuck out to me, and that is, to develop relationships with the uh, media personalities in your local area uh, out before you even have a story. Just, uh, you know, ask to meet with them and have a cup of coffee and sit down and talk because when you form that personal relationship, it's just like anything else. Forming that personal relationship really helps because once you do have a story, you can contact that that person and you know it, it could be more likely that they would consider running it rather than just a you know a cold call kind of thing what do you think jen absolutely and and again if you have that personal connection they'll come to you because something will come across you know or it'll be um national school choice week is a great example for this um you know they'll reach out to you and say hey can can i come to your school and do a quick sound bite or you know, do you have a story from a parent about why did they, you know, choose your school? Um, so yeah, I can't, uh, my only caveat on that is that there are fewer and fewer reporters out there, um, which is incredibly frustrating, but especially if you're in a community where, you know, you've got a strong newspaper and maybe you've got a, a TV or radio station. Um, and I saw someone in the chat mentioned radio scripts. Um, I don't, 
overemphasize radio because I know some markets are stronger than others, but there are a lot of radio stations, um, you know, whether they are in uh, suburban areas or urban areas, that they're, they have to broadcast 24 hours a day. So if you can befriend a personality who is just looking to fill half an hour on a Friday morning and you've got someone or you can fill that space with, uh, you know, just chatting about what's going on in your school, that can be a really, really useful platform. And we have Ted Duncan on the call, I believe, and, and he's on a radio show and he gets to promote his school all the time. And, you know, just talking about when you talk with reporters, the best advice I was ever given was, Katie, they can't quote you if you don't say it. So to be judicious with your words, which is hard when you have somebody asking you questions, uh, but when in doubt, zip it and just be brief. And then you won't be in the newspaper or the radio in a way that doesn't reflect you or your school the way you want it to. That is 100% true. I, it's the Washington Post rule, right? Don't say it to a reporter unless you want your mom to read it on the front page of the paper. Um, I used to use that a lot when I was a print reporter. I mean, y'all are in North Carolina. I'm in Indiana. I'm from here originally. We love to talk, right? And so I would just ask someone a question, and then I would stop talking, and they would keep talking, even when they should have stopped talking. So, you know, it's, it's really hard. And, and there are some reporters out there that they're not friendly to our issue. They're not friendly to choice. And, you know, I try to give every reporter the benefit of the doubt. Um, there are lots of folks who don't uh, appreciate the fourth estate, um, probably a little more permissive than I, I would be if I wasn't a former reporter. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's some people out there who will try to trick you up. I would just like to share, um, I don't know if this was mentioned or not, but you know, Facebook Lives are huge. And I can't remember, Jennifer, if we had, you know, share, but, you know, uh, StreamYard is free and you could do 30 minute, you know, Facebook Lives with a teacher or however, or like a board member, whatever you want to do. And you could do it where you're in the StreamYard and they could go to all of your social media platforms at one time or up to four, I think it goes to, right? Or then even podcasts, you know, you could start a podcast. And so you don't always, you know, I think, you know, charter schools get, uh, frustrated because the local news won't pick up their story in this world you've got your own platform too so don't be afraid to get started and just get going I mean our podcast has I just saw you said it has 25,000 downloads and who who would want to listen to us it's crazy right so if someone's gonna listen to us 25,000 times everybody I mean start just get started and just be consistent with the content that's what I heard Jennifer say a lot you got to be consistent with the content because uh, I think it's like 84% of people check their social media within 10 minutes of waking up. So capture them every single day and you're in the forefront over the next years. That's right. And what I learned about Facebook Live is that Facebook likes Facebook Live. They're going to put you at the top of the queue. So, you know, if you, uh, I know one school that we work with, they have a standing Facebook Live with their community on Mondays at six o'clock and parents know to show up. And, and they, they show up with questions in that chat box, they're going back and forth because the school leader has designated people to respond to the chat. And it's become a really impactful way for the school to continue developing relationships, supporting each other and having that clarity that is so needed all the time, but especially right now. So use this really, you know, I use it, I do a story time every day. I just think 
kids would enjoy it and I enjoy it. And so there's my story time at the top of Facebook whenever I open it up. So, you know, it's a really free, easy, free marketing tip. So we've got a couple of minutes left and I want to make sure that if there's any more questions uh, for Jennifer, you know, thank you so much for uh, donating some time and Rhonda, you know, being able to be expert or to bring experts like this uh, to help our school leaders is huge. Um, so I see uh, Josh Morgan's even saying you know, Facebook Live has been great. So I want to make sure if there's any questions from the uh, DPI call that we could try to address. I don't know, um, Katie, if Acadia or the insurance people are you know, with us, if they have something that they want to share. And Rhonda, if you have any advocacy updates. So Rhonda, why don't you go first and just you know, share any um, you know, thoughts or things that leaders should be thinking on the forefront. Um, and then, then we'll see who else is there. Yeah, so um, the association has a government affairs committee. And I see you, my friend Steve Griffin is with us and Steve is chairing that committee. We are, um, we, we actually have developed a list of priorities, but one of the things I wanted to share is, it seems that I noticed on the OCS call and with many of the school leaders I've spoken with that what is top of mind right now is how to calculate that 20 day ADM, especially if you have parents who want to keep their children at home for safety or health reasons. So we want you to know, Steve and I both want you to know that that is top of mind for us too. And we will definitely be addressing that with the movers and shakers on Jones Street. And, uh, and we will work hard for you to uh, try to protect you in that area and many more. Well, and it looks like our partners from insurance people are here. Hi, Hadley. Hi, Steve. How are you guys doing today? Good. Hi, y'all. How y'all doing? Absolutely. What do you have new for us today? Well, you were talking about awards, um, and we have asked all of our clients with Unica Insurance to apply for an award they're doing. Um, the award package is due back June 1st, so we hope everyone is working on them, and it'll be an award recognizing the best schools for their safety and risk management practices. Hmm. So you get a plaque, and go in your lobby of your school, and your community leaders, your families, your Falcon staff can see the plaque and know that you're a school in uh, excellence in risk management. Which I think is really necessary, especially right now, right? You want to assure your families as much as possible that their children are safe at your school. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. I appreciate you guys being on the call. Anything else for us today? There's a question from Erica. There's a question from Erica about school ventilation systems. And I don't know if this is something that the insurance people would know, but have you heard anything about whether the school ventilation system could be a concern moving forward? in terms of your insurance or mm -hmm. risk? Yes, we our companies are looking into um, if they can offer credits once schools get, um, I believe they're called, what are the ventilation systems we've heard? They're developing systems. It's a, it's the, uh, it's a filter that would go in your school to uh, kill the coronavirus from spreading. Mm -hmm. They go in your house too. So clean they're the clean the air. That's mm -hmm. been developed right now. We're working with a company that has access to these, um, and then we're, we're working with our insurance companies that can help with some savings to then help you all pay for them. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. That's we're, great news. The other thing we're working on, Katie, uh, is uh, a video that will come out hopefully in the third quarter. It's for uh, human trafficking, sexual abuse uh, 
training to awareness. And so we're working with the safe schools and hopefully we'll have that for the schools. That's part of the new uh, requirement going into the new academic year. Mm -hmm. Or free training. Free training. Okay. That's a that's the best price. Free schools can free. afford that. No matter what the budget looks like, free fits the bill. Yes. Okay. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank Always you good to see you. you too. Thank you. And then, uh, so we have Amanda Guevara with uh, Katie Northstar with us. What do you have for us today, Amanda? Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. Um, just a little reminder and kind of things that we're working on right now as we get ready to close out the year. Um, budget amendments are due at this time, and that's for your current fiscal year budget, federal budgets. They need to be entered. Um, very important to get that done, especially with the move to online learning. Uh, a lot of schools who have budgeted for maybe professional development or workshops have now switched and used that funding maybe for supplies to send home with their kids. So it's very important that those budgets get amended in the BAS system. Um, one email we got today from DPI says that the justification needs to be properly worded to explain the reason for the amendment. If not, the amendment will be denied. So I know um, there are tons of other things in the forefront of people's minds right now, but we still have to kind of keep on track with our year and schedule and get those amendments in. Okay, wow, that sounds, that's really important. Thank you for that update. Uh, school leaders, if you have any questions about what that specific language might look like, uh, you know, Amanda, who should they talk to about where they should find that specific language? It seems really important tied to their budget. Well, put in, um, if anybody have any questions about that, I can reach out. Um, to Amanda or to some other folks to see if we can get that language for you. I'll make a note of it here. Yeah, so, so I got a couple things uh, here, you know, Katie. Um, number one, if you have not reached out to your local health uh, department, please do that like today because they're going to be your best friend during this uh, process. They're, they'll be the ones that tell you about, you know, safety and requirements because they're tied directly to uh, decision makers from a you know global and a national level and a local level. So if you haven't done that, reach out to your local health uh, department and make sure that you're on their email listserv or you have some sort of communication, or if they have a call, uh, because safety is every you know everyone's number one concern, right? So that's number one. And two is um, that you know the easy things to do right now, everybody are this seems crazy, but the easy things to do right now are to plan for your school for next year. The hard things are going to be maintaining and building trust, strengthening your team, you know, coming out of this healthier and stronger than ever. So if you're not taking the time to lean into your people, to be checking in with your people, to be taking meeting time, to, to grow yourselves and to really check in with everybody, please, please start to do that. Uh, because everybody during this time needs community. And you'll figure out all the planning, because here's the thing. If you don't take care of the hard stuff first, the relationship stuff first, it doesn't matter how great your plan is because nobody's going to execute it because they're not going to be feeling trusted. They're not going to be feeling safe and they're not going to be feeling good about the culture, right? So remember culture eats vision for breakfast. So making sure you're taking care of the culture on the front end, making sure that people feel safe, that they feel secure, 
Um, and then all those other task things will come, uh, but be, be, be really clear about that with your organization, with your leadership teams that, you know, people are checking in because all these questions about ADM are irrelevant if you don't maintain the relations with your families, because it won't matter what ADM is because nobody's going to come. Okay. So really, really focus on what is the most important thing for you for leaders. And I know it's easy for me to say because I'm not a principal, but I am, I am telling you straight, you've got to be really taking care of your people. Katie and I are doing lots of trainings for organizations right now. And we're doing a lot of one-on-ones and a lot of small groups. And the number one common issue that the teachers are telling us about is communication. Nobody's communicating with us. We're not really sure what we're supposed to do. We don't really feel good. I don't know. I'm just kind of doing the best I can. I don't know if it's right. So please be checking in with your people every day and have it, have it as the first thing that you do every day is make sure you spend some time, especially your top people, okay, that top 20%, and let them trickle down to everybody else. And to piggyback on what you said about the health department, you know, the CDC has put out recommendations for principals. And when they talk about, you know, what health precautions, what health measures should you put in your return to school plan, they say to refer to your local health department. So that's coming from the top. Yeah. And, and if you didn't check it out, we did add two state return to school plans. Maryland and Missouri has one. They're really thorough. They're really comprehensive. They're in your COVID Google Drive under the um, building your return to school committee. So if you haven't checked those out, uh, please do and, and start to you know, work, work with your team with them. Katie's been trying to go page by page to break down some information uh, to be able to better serve you because it's overwhelming. So. And I'll put that in the chat so everybody has access to that. Yeah, just, just, uh, just uh, link them to our main page and that way they'll be able to find everything. Rhonda, do you have do you have anything do you want to finish up on today? Uh, just one quick announcement: the association is hosting a virtual one-day conference on July sixteenth from nine to four. And the good news for attendees: it is free. You will need to register in advance, but you don't have to choose between. Uh, you know, you and your assistant principal, you can sign up every staff member in your school because it will be free. And that is our gift to you because we know it's difficult times right now. And we're going to rely on our sponsors to help us out with that. And um, I'm just really excited about it. What a great idea. Good job. All right. That'll be awesome. So, and there will be some more information about who, who will be the presenters or like, are you doing call, call to like uh, presenters and everything? Awesome. Um, yeah, we'll, um, more information to come. Perfect. Love it. Keep in touch with uh, Rhonda if you're not on her listserv. So anything else, Katie? That's it for me. I did put in the link uh, to those plans so people can have access to those. And they're really thorough. We're well-researched. It seems like these schools had COVID-19 six months before everybody else. That's what, you know, that's what Tom, <laughs> I'm stealing what Tom said because it's really well done. Uh, so these will give you really nice sketches of what a hybrid school day might look like, what a staggered entry might look like. They've really sketched it out nicely. So instead of trying to define that for yourself, go look at what they've created and then make it your own. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, think, you know, what is possible here and, and just, you know, use that as your start of your vision and, and all the different paths that you can get to whatever the end result. So begin with the end in mind, 
and then start to plan backwards with your return to school committees. We've been hearing some great things. There's a lot of schools that have these return to school committees doing some great work. So we're really, really proud of you. So, yeah. All right. Well, everybody, uh, let's say goodbye. So go ahead and unmute yourselves and everybody have a great week. We will be on next week at one o'clock. So, um, three, 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 two. Right. Bye, everybody. Happy Christmas. Like, oh, wait, we have parade too. Like, especially in fourth grade. Like, oh, I thought we had yeah. ceremonies. So we have to send all that strategically at the same time with language. We want the teachers paying it. So I haven't sent an email because I